Hi, everybody. This is Josh Becerra from Agurian. Welcome to another episode of How I Work. I'm joined by Joe Pergolisi, business advisor and M&A broker. Thanks for being here, Joe. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Joe, for the past 25 years, you've been an entrepreneur. Uh, you started three businesses, all bootstrapped, but exited each of them. That's really kudos to you. Uh, you've done brick and mortar. You've done e-com like Amazon. Uh, to a 400 franchise business that spanned across five countries, done strategic work for Airbnb and Burton, uh, worked over a thousand entrepreneur, uh, worked with over a thousand entrepreneurs to start, scale, and exit and buy businesses. So your uh, business advising and MA brokering is coming in handy. Um, and then you were a uh, first timer. Uh, with uh, Steve Job and his, Jobs and his executive team, which is pretty cool. Um, you also have a real estate portfolio, and you're an investor. So uh, you're you got your hands in a lot of different things. Super excited to have this conversation. Yeah, thanks, thanks. So um, you know, I talked a little bit about your experience helping founders of companies pos positioning themselves for acquisition, uh, and when we were prepping for this. You talked about how there's kind of different types of founders and entrepreneurs. Can you ta tell the audience a little bit about what are some of the key differences um, you see between these founders and entrepreneurs? And then how does that like translate to the reasons for they why they decide to sell? Yeah, this is um, this is something I've tracked over my career and to put things into context, right? So you have a founder, you have someone who's starting a business and they have a vision. And typically, let's just say that's like the creative side. And I like to call those people, let's say a pioneer, pioneer of an idea. And again, visionary, more creative. Uh, maybe they have some strategic idea of how they want to execute their business. And the second, let's just say stage or type of business is somebody who is actually more strategic. They're very in tune with systems and consistency, and they're very much more in line with scalability. And then you have this third type of entrepreneur, let's just say is, is a mix of both. So where they have the creativity, they have a really attuned, refined sense of what it's going to take to scale so it's almost like, let's say, you know, interpersonal, um, the first one, maybe a little bit more personal and second is a little bit more systematic. Um, and, and the third is a nice blend. And it's important, I think, for entrepreneurs to know that there's no like pinnacle, there's no ladder to climb in any of this. Some people are just naturally, let's say, born scalers. Some people will always just be the idea guy. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think a lot of entrepreneurs will put a lot of pressure on themselves to either be more visionary, more creative, or they might be putting pressure on themselves to get out of startup phase and, and into something that's scaling. And then there's even some people who want to achieve, um, you know, the nice hybrid. And, and there's, no, there's no one way for somebody. Um, some people are just born a certain way. And, uh, you know, to the to the second part of your question, how does that translate into exiting? You know, some people will get frustrated. Uh, you know, right. they, they can't they can't recreate their business. They can't get to the next step. 
And, uh, you know, some people don't know how to ask for help and that feeds the frustration. Um, and, and some people lose their lackluster of creativity. They're, they're, they've, they've extended all the creative juice that they have and they just feel like it's time to pass their baby on. I hear that quite often. Uh, yeah, I believe it. Uh, you know, I think we always hear about the like, crazy growth scale it like sets entrepreneurs up for thinking like that is the one and only way to do entrepreneurship um and we really don't hear much about the relational side of kind of acquisitions um and i think there's some nuance to like uh you know there's of course the kind of operational like valuations, multiples, KPIs and all those things. But then there's like the relational side of this. So do you have any advice on like the relational side for founders? Yeah. You, you know, it's, I think it's an extension of how they run their company and building loyalty and building trust and allegiance with their teams. And, and I think it's important really for a successful merger or acquisition for that matter is to take that same mindset where you're looking at whoever is buying you. Is this a good suitor? Are they easy to work with? Are there any other opportunities that you could see down the road that, you know, hey, maybe this other company has a different division and they love you so much that they want to give you a seat. Uh, maybe they want you to run the company or two years from now, they pick up the phone and and they want you to be on the board. So I, I really think one in the hand is two in the bush, as they say. And right. if you have a good fit where you're getting along with people, the transaction's going to go that much more smoothly. It's yeah. not easy executing a transition uh, transaction. It's a lot of emotions. A lot, there's a lot that goes into that process. And if you have somebody that uh, you like their character, it's it's not worth the extra few dollars uh, for the headache of going through a bad transaction. It just isn't. Yeah, it's like probably akin to like adoption or something, right? Like I've I've like been building this, nurturing this baby along, and now I've got to like hand it off to someone else. And you really, you want to, trust that person with it. And it can't just always be about the dollars and cents. And I like what you said about like, also you might, you know, go down a path and then that transaction might not end up panning out, but you don't want to like burn that bridge, right? You don't want to like create a, a situation where you might see that person, you know, five years down the road and it's, you have a bad taste in your mouth. Right. And, you know, there's going to be some people that are just going to want their check and run. And then there's going to be, I think, some people who really treat this as a lifelong profession and you're building your network. Don't forget that. Do not for whether, whether you pass on a buyer or you go with a specific buyer, there's, there's still a next, there's still around the corner and you just never know you want to protect your network. You want to protect your relationships and, and an acquisition is, is part of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm big on on relationships. Um, you know, one of the things that I thought was cool about uh, when we were talking earlier is um, you said that when you're going about helping a company getting ready for sale, you kind of approach it as if you were like on their board of directors. Um, yeah. You kind of want to 
dig in, you know, if we're going to sell this thing, I want to know all the dirt that's in there. Like where are, where's the dirty laundry, but then also where's the gold buried um, so that you can like represent this company well to any potential suitor. Uh, mm -hmm. You mentioned like it helps you develop what you called buyer language. So can you talk to us a little bit about what you mean by buyer language? Yeah, sure. So when you start, when you talk to enough buyers, you could start to hear the trend in, in their questions and how they're analyzing the business from the outside. And a lot of them are looking for scalable opportunities. So, you know, circling back to the first question, what kind of entrepreneurs there are, people who are typically buying a business or thinking about scaling um, the business, or how does the business accentuate perhaps another division of their business. So the point I'm trying to make is here with buyers, you just, you can never predict why somebody is buying your business. And it could be where they're buying your culture. It could be why, it could be they're buying your staff. It could be because they want you and your leadership. It could even be, you know, when, I, when I'm working with a company, I'm digging for their biz dev. You know, what, what are they working on? Yeah that is potentially very attractive, even if it's not developed, I still want to know what other creative ideas or what else has made it to the meetings that has been kicked around because that is like hand sugar, you know, that's, that's gold to a It's like, wow, they're already thinking about the next level because that's, that's a scalar. They're thinking about the next level and biz dev is exactly that. Yeah, I love that. You know, at Agurian, of course, we're a service-based business. So, you know, we've got clients, we got a portfolio of clients. We um, have really solid, you know, financials and all of those things that go along with that. But we also understand that, um, you know, if we can, like what we're doing right now is figuring out how to develop some software that uh, will allow our team to be more efficient at their work. And the goal there is to like, obviously improve our numbers internally and make it, uh, you know, better, a better environment for our, for our people. But then also, can we then turn that around and approach other agencies like us and say, hey, do you want to be more efficient? We figured out a way. And now all of a sudden we've taken kind of a service-based business and have, it's not a pivot, but it's like we have this kind of new software as a service bolt on. Um, so yeah, I get what you're saying about like, what is the future? Where is this company thinking? Um, and where are they going? Yeah, and that's a, that's a great example of you guys solving a problem. And after a certain you know number of buyers that I talk to, I'll start hearing the void or the lack of that solution. And that's one of the things that we would, you know, if we were representing you, we would be making sure to perhaps another agency like, hey, they've solved this problem. And that holds a lot of weight because I already know that that uh, is a problem. Is it for most businesses, let's say in the agency space. So I'm always scanning, a good broker is always scanning for where the weaknesses is, not only in just in businesses, but in the marketplace so that you know, when when a client like you, let's say, brings forth, hey, we have a SaaS pro a SaaS product that solves an internal um, problem. Uh, I'm I'm definitely going to be touting that. That is going to go almost front and center. That gives 
that gives a lot of um, validity and, and makes your business very attractive. Well, cool. Well, we're we're not quite ready to go public and, and probably uh, be out there, but we're we're definitely working on things, and it's it's kind of exciting, you know, to to have something else that's definitely related. That no matter what, even if it didn't turn into like SaaS, it's going to have value for us internally um, because it's going to make our team's life easier. So excited about that development. Um, yeah. You know, one question I always ask uh, my guests is just kind of what uh, larger trends or like, if, are there authors or podcasters or individual thought leaders that you're kind of like thinking about, or like, just maybe even for you, like, what kind of trends are you seeing out there in the, in the brokerage kind of acquisition space? Um, mm -hmm. And where do you think some of that's going? Yeah. So, you know, a couple of a couple of things. One is there's a lot of downward pressure right now. The financial markets are really compressing and the price of money is increasing. So there's quite a few businesses that are really um, getting hurt uh, yeah. financially. And and the the PE money or even the VC money is drying up. There's a lot of those family offices even that are scaling back. So you know, maybe there was a business that was level last year that would get acquired this year. They probably are getting passed up uh, because the the risk might be there or the apprehension. So there's a lot of apprehension, I think, in sure. in um, the acquisition space. And I, I do, unfortunately, think it's going to be here for a while. I think we're looking at I don't want to even say it because it negatively impacts my business, but we probably have two years or so of um of this kind of downward pressure and headwinds in um that doesn't mean that businesses aren't going to get acquired i think those that are attractive are going to look that much more attractive but the meat and potatoes right. of business right now um and you know to answer your second question what kinds of things do i pay attention to for trends or maybe even inspiration uh, you know josh i'm a huge fan of blue blue ocean strategies i was introduced to that early in my career. And so where I go to for inspiration in business is is actually um I I actually look a lot to leaders in other spaces, not in business. I mean I do yeah, like Simon Space. Well I, I you know what I like Phil Jackson. I like um you know he was the coach of the Bulls. I like Toto yep. Wolf, he's the principal of F1 Mercedes. I like Pep Guardiola from Manchester City. Like I look at I look at leaders, I look at people who are outside of my space uh, that are really distilling down to to um I don't like to be in a vacuum, you know, and I think right. that that's a trap for entrepreneurs is to stay in the circles of what everyone else is talking about. There's lack, I, I think it limits innovation and it, and it limits, um, yeah, li it limits out of the box thinking. So, uh, you know, in terms of business, I like Simon. Uh, I think he's got his hands on the pulse of the future. And then I look, I look towards other thought leaders outside of business. Yeah, I really, I really like that idea of like looking outside of business because 
Um, I think you're right. People, you know, you're an, you're an entrepreneur, you're a agency owner, you talk to agency owners, you talk to entrepreneurs, you're um, kind of reading all the same books and uh, listening to all the same people. And it is kind of those uh, people who are leading and excelling on the edges um, that sometimes are where like the, the biggest learnings are. So that that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Joe, like that, that's probably all the time we have today, but I've really appreciated this conversation. I really love that you kind of think so much about the relational side of acquisitions and um, not just so focused on like valuations, multiples and KPIs. Um, and yeah, I think we are going to have some of those uh, downward pressures here, which is going to mean there's a lot of money going to be sitting on the sidelines. And when that comes back, it's going to be roaring back. Yeah. Um, so hopefully a lot of us can hold on, you know, and make it through the next couple of years and, and get to that space. So, yeah. Well, really appreciate your time. Thanks again for being here. Yeah. Thanks, Josh, for the time as well. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the How I Work podcast with Josh Becerra. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe. To learn more about Agurian and for more digital marketing tips and insights, head to agurian.com.